0: We're gonna carry on our conversation, which we started last week, on a subject that I think for everyone in this room is probably one of the most important things we can learn, understand, and actually embrace. And that is that God has given us a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen? Amen? There are lots of people in your life who promise you great things. To find out that maybe they don't deliver. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that? Talk to me and go home and be ignored. Have you noticed that? Yeah? Lots of people promise you the sun, the moon and the stars and then they come up with something else. But when God says, I will never leave or forsake you, he means it. And the way he materializes that sense of his presence in our lives is by giving us the most wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a friend who sticks closer than anyone else can stick in the life in which you're living. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the power of the Holy Spirit. If the thing works again. Yeah, this is technology at its finest. Is it working? Is it not working? Well, go to the next slide then. And the next slide. I wanted to say to you, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we must stop thinking about him as some kind of force or power. The Holy Spirit is a person and it's a personal relationship he wants to have with you. He's very personable, he has a personality, he has a character, he has things that he loves and things that he doesn't like. And our job is to ensure that we understand him, not that he understands us, he already understands us. Our job as Christians is to understand him and that requires of us a consistent sense of, of yielding and exploring the heights, the depths and the breadths of who he truly is for us. He is equal to God in every way. In fact, he is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, they are equally God. And Jesus even said he's going to send us another comforter. The word another in that scripture in John means one, the same as Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus. That may not sound like a very important thing to say out loud. Perhaps we already know that. But I think sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit in terms that are less than favorable. If we see him as a force or some kind of entity, I think the fashioned version used to be the Holy Ghost. If that doesn't put some fear into you, I don't know what will. But the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Has anyone discovered that Jesus is very compassionate? Have you discovered that Jesus is really merciful? Have you discovered that Jesus has a power to change and transform people's lives? Have you discovered that Jesus is gentle and meek and lowly, yet powerful, Well, everything about Jesus that you've discovered is the same as what we are about to discover about the Holy Spirit. I want to say about the Holy Spirit, there are some people in this room who think they can live their Christian life without him. That somehow he's some kind of optional extra for the crazies amongst us. But that's never been the intention of God. In fact, you cannot live your Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you understand the Bible. Amen? And if you want to grow as a Christian and walk with God in some kind of purity and holiness, you're going to need to understand who God is and what God wants. So when I read my Bible, I always say, come Holy Spirit and show me a truth. Now, I want to know a truth that's not just in my head, but has the power to transform my life. What good is it that that, that I have a truth or a knowledge of truth if that truth doesn't have the capacity to set me free? But guess what? It's the Holy Spirit who takes that truth and makes it real in our hearts and in our lives. There are many of us in this room can testify over times. There were things we didn't really understand and then we asked God for help and the Holy Spirit opened up the Word of God to us and now we will never be able to undo the revelation that we had because God ministers by the power of His Holy Spirit into our ordinary everyday lives. Reading the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit will turn it into some kind of, you know, academic exercise. Actually, the the whole of the Bible is meant to be experienced and we can only experience it, guess by whom? The Holy Spirit. How many of us know that God is love? You all have a great theology that God is love. How many of us have an experience of that love? How many of us know that God has all knowledge and all power over all things? Come on, talk to me. Yes, you know those things. But how many of us need to experience that fullness of knowledge in the way that we live our lives day by day? Have you ever had a problem you didn't know how to fix? And then suddenly, in the midst of that difficult season, You get this sense that something needs to happen in a particular way, and you thought that you were just bright enough to come up with that breakthrough. No, it was the Holy Spirit trying to teach you how to make much of what has been a difficult season in your life. Is there anybody who's had pain in their heart? You're very quiet today. I'll just keep going till you wake up. You know that, don't you? Anybody ever had pain? Anybody let you down? Ever been rejected? Ever been abandoned? Ever been abused? Don't admit to all of them because you'll need therapy. (laughs) Okay, but we've all, if you've lived longer than 10 minutes, life's hard, isn't it? Life can be quite difficult for us. Who takes the wrongs that have been done to us and makes them right in our life? The Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to be holy? Ever tried to be a good person? You come to church, you put your money in the offering, you say a few prayers and you're going to do your best this week to live a really good life. You find by the time you hit the car park, you've said something terrible to somebody. You Get into the queue at Sainsbury's and you're angry with the woman because she's taking too much time who's just in front of you. I have realized that none of us in this room, not one in this room has the capacity to be holy except by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is holy and He lives inside of us. And His job, if you like, His call, if you like, His desire, if you like, is to make us like Jesus. You can't make yourself like Jesus. He will help you become like Jesus. He is God by the power of the Spirit who is at work in us. Oh, is it working now? Now Jesus helps us because he sheds a great light on who the Holy Spirit is, the one before. What's the one on the screen? That's it. Jesus says this, that he's exactly like himself in character, temperament and and the, and the things he does too. His mission is to help us personally understand more and more and more about Jesus and he has come to where? Abide, to stay with us, a heaven sent friend. When Jesus says, I'll never leave or forsake you, he's not talking about himself physically, he's talking about the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence in your life as a result of you receiving Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And so it's interesting, isn't it, because we have these kind of Old Testament ideas of what is holy and what is unholy, but I wanna just help you with that, that when you came through the door here, there's nothing holy about this carpet. There's nothing holy about this room, there's nothing holy about this platform and there's certainly nothing particularly holy about me. There are no spaces and places anymore where God dwells, there are just people. And He has made you His home here on earth. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God has taken up residence inside of you. Aren't you grateful for that? You don't have to go searching for him. You don't have to try and prove anything to him. God has taken up residence by his spirit inside of you. I love the fact that my body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to all you skinny people here, you need to get with the program. Let me tell you why. If God is as great as he is, as majestic, as profound, as, as huge as he can be in all his capacities, how has he shrunk himself to fit in your tiny little scrawny body. I don't know how he did that, but I want to tell you I'm working with his program because I've added some extra space for him. The Bible says that out of your belly will flow the rivers that the Holy Spirit creates, and I want to tell you I've got one belly for the Father, one belly for the Son, and the largest of all the bellies is for the Holy Spirit. Now you skinny Ginny's here, You need to help the Holy Spirit out and just bring a little bit of breath and increase. In the kingdom of God, thick is good. (laughs) Thick is good. The Holy Spirit is sent to us by our Heavenly Father. And he's sent in the name of Jesus to be with each one of us. And look what he wants to do. He wants to help you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He wants to help you. He wants to help you, even Kate and Paul. He wants to help you. We need his help. You need his help. I need his help. I can't do this without him. I can't be everything God wants me to be without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can take me deeper and deeper into what God has for me. Let me tell you this. The Bible says that the plans God has for you are to prosper and to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. Can I ask you a quick question? Do you know what those plans are? We're still walking in mystery surrounding some of those things, but guess who knows exactly who those plans are? And guess who wants to tell you and show you where to find everything that God has prepared for you? You've got it, the Holy Spirit. He is, if you like, a heavenly sat navigation system while we're here on earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember a time when we used to read maps. Does anybody remember maps? If you're over 60, you probably remember maps. They are such an inferior reality to a sat navigation system. I just tap in a little cold, sit in my car, and it's like magic. It just takes me right to the door. Of course, it doesn't always take me right to the door in my car. It takes me via the M42 and via—I don't know what's wrong with this, the settings on my sat navigation system in the car—but I end up doing 40 miles more most times. And I'm only going to Sainsbury's. We're going to Sainsbury's. But the intent is this: that God is our earthly sat navigation system, and He stands in our tomorrows, and He whispers, "Come." And you and I have got to learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and how to follow His lead. Yes, you heard me. He is the person now who's meant to lead your life. And where is He leading it to? He's leading it into fullness. The Holy Spirit always leads us to life. He leads us to the life that we should have had and we can have as a result of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Jesus says these words in John 10:10, I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness. Guess who can take you on that adventure? The Holy Spirit. And he knows exactly how to get you where you need to be. The Holy Spirit comes to us whenever we become born again. And Jesus replied in John 3, 3, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Let me explain to you what that actually means. That means repenting of living a willful, soulish and sinful life. Accepting that Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive you for your sins. And that's why he died on the cross and he shed his blood and he rose again on the third day so that you could be free from the sin in your life. Is there anybody grateful for that this morning? You can be free. How many times have you tried to get free from the sin in your life? There is only one who sets people free and that's Jesus Christ. His blood has purchased a new life for you and that new life is being born again. We're not born again physically, we're born again spiritually. And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in in this power and His goodness and He dwells in our spirits. And we said last week, and it's true, we maybe need to remind ourselves more regularly of this, that even on my worst day, I am one third righteous. Because one third of my human experience, my spirit, not my soul yet, certainly not my body, but my spirit has been born again and my spirit has been made perfect by Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to fill me up with His presence and His power so that my soul could play catch-up, so that my body would follow through. If you're born again here today, give me a wave. It's a great thing to say that God has done that for you. You know you didn't do that for yourself, don't you? In fact, you can't even be born again except the Holy Spirit shows you the truth of Jesus. I I was raised in a Catholic home and, you know, we we had all of our kind of understandings of who Jesus was and why He died. But out of the blue, on one October the 29th, 38 years ago, I was sitting in somebody's front room and these people started to talk to me about Jesus and I felt this this burning in my heart. I'd never experienced it before, and of course I was backwards and forwards, oh Jesus this and Jesus that, and I thought I knew everything about Jesus. When you went every day to a convent type school and you went every day, every Sunday to mass, you kinda know some stuff, but the truth was they spoke about Jesus in a manner that I'd never heard anyone speak about Jesus, like they actually knew him personally. And I was intrigued, and that night, they invited me to pray a prayer, I prayed this little prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And I got into my car and I tried to go home. And as I stepped into my car, this wonderful presence came. Guess who that was? the Holy Spirit and he filled my car with love. It's hard to describe because I know these are words that we're familiar with but I had never felt such love in the whole of my life. I was 24, I wasn't in a broken state, I didn't have a drug problem, I wasn't you know, running away from a divorce, I was an ordinary person living an ordinary life and God, God turned up in my life. From the foundations of the earth, he desired to have a friendship and a relationship with me. And that night I got born again, not because I prayed a prayer, that was okay. I got born again because the Holy Spirit changed me entirely in a moment. Now, the following day, I woke up and I didn't stop swearing. Two weeks later, I still hadn't stopped swearing. But that which happened to me began to change me from the inside out. Now, we're living in a world where we've got all kinds of programs and things people do for rehabilitation and transformation. How many self-help books can you actually find in some of these bookshops? They are endless, corner to corner, but any human attempt to try and bring personal transformation without the power of the Holy Spirit is just a dead man trying to teach a dead man how to live their life. There is only one who can give you new life, and that is the Holy Spirit. So that night in that car I experienced the birthing of something phenomenal in my soul as the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And guess what? He started straight away to show me things. He started to show me things about me that weren't good. That was fun. He started to show me things about other people that they needed me to help with. He started to show me things about people I would meet randomly. Things that I didn't know from my own personal experience or life and I would know because the Holy Spirit began to show me his power at work in and through me. Here we are 38 years later and I know you think I'm still a work in progress and of course I am but so are you. But I'm a million light years away from that young man, that very needy young man who came to Jesus in someone's front room. and got born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit because you cannot become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit does something in you. So I don't like religion. Religion is me thinking I can do something to earn God's love in some way. But I do love the fact that because God is kind, he has sent Jesus to us, and I can have relationship with him. And churches are full of people who have religion, and they're also full of people who have relationship. And you've got to make up your mind, which category do you fall into? If you're trying to earn God's love, then I want to tell you, you're wasting your time because God already loves you. What you need to do is accept that God loves you. If you're trying to be a good person, stop wasting your time. That's a lot of energy and hardship. Okay, now I'm not telling you to be a bad person. Don't go out and murder anybody today. Well, unless they deserve it. (laughs) You can't bring that kind of transformation by trying harder. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it is by His Holy Spirit. And He who began this job inside of you will carry... On until it's completed. The fullness of the Holy Spirit includes these things, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the character and the nature of God. Love, joy, peace, all of those things are the nature of God and the Holy Spirit begins to produce them in the life of a believer. I've walked with Jesus now 38 years and I think I'm a bit nicer now than I was at the beginning. Is there anybody else who's noticed they might be a bit nicer? You know, the weird thing about me is I end up with some people and they're talking to me and they say these strange things and I don't even recognize it. You've got like this kind of calmness about you. Well, it's not like that on the inside. People say you've got this calmness about you. I was at a funeral this weekend, somebody said to me, There's a real sense of calmness about you. I think, you know, I almost killed three people on the way here. <laughs> I was rushing, rushing, rushing trying to get there. There's nothing calm on the. Do you know what they're sensing? The peace the peace of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time having my hair cut in a barber's. Um, those were the days when I had more hair to have cut. You could get anything cut for £3.99. It was amazing. Have you seen Choby's new haircut? Stand up for us, Choby. Stand up for us, Choby. This was cut by the council. There was a hedge outside. He just happened to be ducking down. and You certainly got your money's worth there, didn't you? <laughs> I was sitting in this barber's chair, he was cutting my hair and talking away to me, and he said to me, Every time you come in here, I feel a little bit better. I said, I'll have to get my hair cut every week then. (laughs) Because there's something wonderful about our lives, and that is we have now been filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you may not feel it, and you may not even think you're good enough for it, and all of that is part of our story, but actually, you are a carrier of hope. You are a carrier of peace. Come on, you miserable beggars. You are a carrier of love. You are a love bomb waiting to go off somewhere. You're God's secret weapon of mass destruction and you don't even know it. Why? Because you're good, you're powerful. No because he, the one who is beautiful and glorious, has come to live inside of your heart and your life. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and I think we all do. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, nobody could see the tongue of fire on their own head. We should encourage one another by seeing them on people's heads and encouraging them. I'm not talking about actual tongues of fire. If that is happening, get out of here quickly, okay? (laughs) Because your weave is about to go that's all I'm gonna say it'll go up in flames okay but you can encourage somebody by saying you know I think God's doing this in your life you can encourage you can identify over somebody else I think that's a really great attribute of the character and the nature and the person of God the second thing the Holy Spirit does is this is he develops God's nature the gifts of the Holy Spirit you know I've been around Christianity for 38 years now, and I've met some people who have really profound gifts from the Holy Spirit. I used to know this lady, I don't see her much now, but she she would pray for people and instantly God would do something. Instantly. A miraculous way God would do something. In fact, she told me this story that she was in somewhere in Amsterdam, she'd lost her, her suitcase and everything else and she's sitting waiting to go and speak in this meeting and uh, she begins to pray and God begins to talk to her about the people in this meeting and she had like this long list she wrote it all out she stood up on this little podium like this and she said There's a lady here called Mavis this is happening in your life and God is about to bring healing and she went through about 25 different people and she knew their names their addresses their ages The gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to the church. They're available to you and to me. God wants to gift you, and if He's gifted you this morning, I want to tell you, if you already know what that gift is, it's not about you. See, the gifts of the Spirit are given to us, so it's all about Him. Sometimes in church we get so excited because somebody has a profound gift Oh, I love people who have profound gifts, but actually the gift is not about the person. The gift is about the giver. Another thing I've learned too, is when I'm given a gift by God, it's so that I can glorify him. And that gift is like the vehicle that takes me into his presence. It's not about other people. A couple of years ago, someone came to me and said, I'm in this meeting and I have all these prophetic words and I don't get a chance to tell everybody about them. And I looked at this young lady and I said, that's okay. She said, no, it's not okay. God has given me a gift. It's for the body and all of that kind of stuff. I said, that's great. But you know what's more remarkable than you getting to say it is that you got to hear it. God spoke to you. That's the greatest miracle of all, isn't it? So it's not about platforms or spectacular people or grandiose notions. God wants to develop us to become like Jesus. And Jesus moved in the character and the nature of God, which was pure and holy and love and compassion and all those wonderful things, but he also moved in the other aspect of God's nature and that is power. Jesus had power to help people. And this is my goal for life. Before I die, okay, which, Some may be at the end of this. Before I die, okay, I want to see the church understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without it, all we have is words. Lots of waffle and no power. But you have been given power and authority to be used for God's glory go into all the world and preach the good news, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that power and that authority has been given to you to transform our world. And without that power being active and and actually working through our lives, all we have is great ideas. We need God's character and his nature, but we also need his power and his authority at work in our lives. And I don't know where you sit on those two things, but they're profoundly important. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings us into the fullness of both the character and the nature in God. But there's a little issue here, and that is that he doesn't just do it without you. You and I have this responsibility. And that is to make sure that we continually yield our lives to the leadership and the authority of the Holy Spirit. How are you doing on that? You're still making all the decisions concerning your life, your future, your money, your finance, your relationships, because you don't need to just be the orchestrator of your life. You need to follow the plan that the Holy Spirit has for you. I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be famous, not infamous, famous. And so when God began to call me to give up singing and to leave behind the career, that was my family's kind of heritage, we were all musical people and and still many of them still are, I found it really hard to trust that that was the Holy Spirit. I remember standing in this church and receiving. A word, not this one, the one down Cadbury Hall. Receiving a word from somebody and they said to me, You need to go and get trained for the ministry. I had no desire to be in the ministry. I'd seen what you did to the other pastors and I'm not stupid. (laughs) This is what they used to say over the pastors in the church. God will keep them humble and we'll keep them poor. Who wants to be involved in that? I'd been poor. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. There's no virtue in poverty, trust me. There's just hunger and need and desperation. I thought, I don't want to be a minister. Look what they did to that poor man. He used to be happy before he got involved in the church. And God began to pull at the strings of my heart. I remember a defining moment. I was singing in a club in a little place called Mountain Ash in South Wales. I've been to this club, I don't know how many times, and I know it's hard for you to believe, but they loved me. Stop it, stop it. That's not nice. They loved me. And uh, i get up to sing and I can't even sing. I can't function in something I've done all my life. I remember sitting at the end of the night, a dreadful night, dreadful night, just terrible gig. Sitting outside in my car and crying and God said to me, I don't want you to be doing this anymore. This isn't where I want you to be. See, the alternative was to be with you lot. (laughs) It sounds like a party, doesn't it? I didn't fit in with some of the people in the church. They were far too holy for me. I still like to dance. I still enjoy secular music. It's terrible, isn't it? Pray for me. Pray for deliverance. Pray. I think if you're going to do God, you do joy. There's enough miserable people in the world. Okay, leave it there, Simon. Leave it there. If I hadn't followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have seen the great things that God connected my life to. I wouldn't have seen the people, the wonderful people in the churches and the wonderful ways, because I had a plan. I wanted to do this with my life. I had it all worked out. I knew what to do, where to do it, how to do it. But God had a better plan. The plans He has for you require you to allow Him to lead you, they're not automatic. Just because you've got a prophetic word at the front of your Bible somebody gave you in 1974 doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. You have to yield and you have to obey and you have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and he's at work in you. How do you recognize the Holy Spirit in somebody's life? Well, they're usually nicer. I think Christians should be nice. I mean, not sickly nice, but they should be kind. Don't you think? Hello? I'm I'm coming right to you in a minute now, so just get ready. Do you think that Christians should be gentle? How about compassionate? Merciful? Here's a hard one for some of you miseries, joyous. Don't you think Christians should be like God, they should be joyous? Yeah? I find it difficult sometimes that we kind of stay the same as we were whenever we have access to power and the nature and character and the presence of someone who has the ability to transform our brokenness into something beautiful. And I want to say this to you, we really need God to do that. You see that hurt that you've been holding on to for 20 years, it's time to let it go. Because if you don't let it go, you will never see all that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And you keep thinking it's other people highlighting it. Actually, if you have a hurt and this feels like a word for you, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he says this to you. It's a profound prophetic statement. Let it go. Let it go. It doesn't matter anymore. Let it go. Let it go. You see, we can keep things that we think justifiably we have a right to keep. But if you are being led by God, you forgive. God has even helped me forget. Some things were so burnt into my memory that he erased them by his grace and mercy. And now when I see some of those people, I don't even remember what the problem was. We have fallen out with people and 20 years later we've wasted so much of our lives because we couldn't let go. Something wrong happened to you and you hold it. You hold vigil every time you see that person. You keep it close to your heart. This is my life. It's painful. And I'm telling you, it's not your life anymore now. You ask God to take hold of it. And if you want the life that Jesus has for you, you've got to let go of it. And you've got to let Him lead you. You've got to let Him show you. You've got to let Him help you. You've got to let Him heal you. Christians filled with the Holy Spirit should feel good to be around. But I found in my 38 years of walking with Jesus that some people are really spooked out about the Holy Spirit. A couple of times I've had to say to people when I'm praying for them, you know, why don't you stop praying at the same time as I'm praying? Because how are you going to hear if God is saying anything to you? you you've met those people. Come out, Toby. Let me show you what it looks like. People come out and they say, Pastor, we need some prayer for... Another. And they go on this big long list, you know, the shopping list. It's like... <laughs> onto the floor, and I I'm, am I'm say, so, okay, well, shall we just pray for you? And I put my hand on them, and they go, <speaking in tongues> I said, oh, that's wonderful that you're speaking in tongues, but could we just ask that you just stay still for a moment, be still, and know that he is God. Oh, oh yes, pastor, are you ready? Eyes down for a full house. Shut <speaking in tongues> up. And what's happening is this it's, it's a tactic. I feel vulnerable. God may say something to him. God may show him something about me. And so here's how I keep the Holy Spirit where I need the Holy Spirit to be. Shut up. It's very hard to hear what God wants to do or say or experience whenever you are calling the shots. And we think it's a spiritual thing. What it is, is control. And here's what the Bible says about control. It's like witchcraft. Because control is trying to make God do what you want God to do. You are meant to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not control the Holy Spirit. Thanks. Another one I've seen is people come forward and pastors are the worst at this, tell, let me tell you. You know, we have an altar call, is there anybody here who needs help or healing? And they come out and pastors are some of the most broken people you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, there's more sheep bites on their back than there is dots on a dot-to-dot graph. And they come out and they like this. They stand for a second, they can see the person coming over to them who may have some spiritual power, and then they break into ministry. They have to pray for the people at the front under the guise of compassion and call to the ministry. Pastors are some of the worst receivers in any spiritual meeting because they are conditioned to give. And it takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of humility to stand and say, well, come and pray for me. And I've been in so many meetings where the pastors are not even the person ministering on the platform, but suddenly they become the minister. It's like a switch goes on and they move. What is it? It's control. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel at ease. I don't want to make myself vulnerable. I don't want to make myself accessible. And so I'll operate in this particular way. And it deflects from a moment where God may want to do something or say something to my life. Watch out because it happens in most churches. Other things I've noticed about how people feel about the Holy Spirit is, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, and trust me, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, you may feel a little uncomfortable. People say things to me like this, I don't wanna cry in public. Would you rather cry in private? And if you're crying, isn't that good? Isn't God the one, the Holy Spirit who is like Jesus, doing something to bring healing and restoration. Now listen to me, church. It's easy to sing the song, come Holy Spirit. It's a very different thing to allow the Holy Spirit to do just that, to come and have his way in your heart and in your life. It's a very different thing. And what God wants from his people is that all of those hurts, pains, the discomforts, the control, is that that would stop and that we would trust that the one he sent, the comforter, could minister. If you want revival, is there anybody who would like revival? How does revival work? Give me a wave if you'd like revival. All the worship team, give me a wave if you'd like revival. Okay, how does revival work? Well, the first thing you want to know about revival is this, that you can hinder Your capacity to be touched by the Holy Spirit because you have difficulties, pains, problems, unforgiveness in your life. You can reduce God's, not ability, but your capacity to receive from Him. So here's what we need as a church, and this is really important. I want you to listen carefully. We need to be made well by the Holy Spirit. We need to be made clean by the Holy Spirit. We need to be made free by the Holy Spirit. We need God to heal our hearts so he can move in our lives. If I was to put a large glass jar in front of you and demonstrate it this way, it probably makes more sense. Let's say the jar is our life and inside it was a number of rocks. And we say, come Holy Spirit and pour yourself out on us. And the Holy Spirit fills the jar right to the top. Well, if you were to put your hand in and take out the rocks, you'd probably find there's only that much water. Because the rocks displace the capacity of the water to fill the jar. And here's what God wants to do. He wants to take the rocks out of our lives. So that when we say, come Holy Spirit, we're filled all the way up. All the way up. Because there's no things getting in the way of what God wants to do. I want to take you... Somewhere now in these last few moments we have together. Is that really the time? Is it only, is it only 25 to 1? Oh, we've got hours to go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a pastor's dream. <laughs> go to the book of Nehemiah for me, please. We're going to read some of chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah son of Hakaliah in the month of Kislef in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Suah, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who have survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace and here's the reason why. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah was deeply moved by the difficulties that his people were facing. For some days I mourned and fasted, and I began to pray to the God of heaven. Then I said, We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are as far as the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name." They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who will delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And the final statement in chapter 1 is this I was a cupbearer to the king. A little bit of a, a backstory and perhaps some explanation why we arrive here in our last few minutes together. The name Nehemiah means comforter or one who brings comfort. Where else have you heard that phrase mentioned? In the New Testament where Jesus says to his disciples, I must go but I will send you another comforter. So what we have here in the book of Nehemiah is an Old Testament promise of a New Testament reality. And Nehemiah is moved on behalf of the people to act. And I want to say to you this morning that the Holy Spirit is moved on behalf of God's church to act. He is already acting on that which he sees in your heart and in your life. He is not passive, he's not indifferent, he's not even waiting for your permission, although it would be good if you gave it to him. Night and day and day and night the Holy Spirit is moved by your life. And what is he moved by? Your brokenness. In this case it's the brokenness of the walls and the fact that the gates were burned down. And every single one of us in this room have broken parts to our life. There are things that because life has been so difficult are now in tatters. They are now broken. They are now disheveled. And when you invite God into your life, he starts rebuilding the walls of your soul. He starts first and foremost with this particular truth. And it comes from the book just before Nehemiah where Ezra who is telling the same story about this remnant of people, about 50,000, who've been in exile and captivity, being set free to come back to their homeland, which is Jerusalem. And for the Jew, Jerusalem was the center of all things spiritual and their territory. And they come back. But because they have no protection and they've got broken walls and the gates of the city have all been burnt down because of the conflict and difficulties they faced. Every good thing that God begins to do gets taken from them by two individuals in the story, Sambalat and Tobias. And the word Sanballat means to be a deceiver, someone who deceives or someone who destroys. So what we have here in the book of Nehemiah is a picture of a life, a Christian life, where we come to Jesus and we're born again and yet our lives are still broken. We need God's help to rebuild the walls and he has given us a comforter. And Nehemiah is moved by the brokenness that these people in Jerusalem experience as a result of the The disrepair of the walls of the city. Now, if you have brokenness in your life today, the enemy can do all manner of things to you and you can't stop them. If your gates have been burnt down because stuff has happened to you and you have no protection against the devil, you need the work of the Holy Spirit to rebuild and to restore some gateways that you've allowed the enemy to come into. Has anybody in this room ever been involved in the occult? If you've been involved in the cult, whether that's tarot card reading or horoscopes, you have allowed a wall, a gate if you like, in your life to be burnt down by that experience and the enemy has easy access to you even though you're born again, even though you've given your life to Jesus. Is there anybody here who's been involved in sexual perversion? Because if that is the case, and you can make up your mind what you think that is, If that is the case, you have opened yourself up to all manner of spiritual things. And you can pray all the right prayers and say all the right things. But when you're on your own, you have a weakness in your soul that allows the enemy to come in and destroy what God is doing. And you're in church on Sunday and you're praising him and you're thanking him and you're loving him. And by 10 o'clock tonight, you're back watching pornography. Are you born again? Absolutely. Do you love Jesus? Absolutely. But you over the course of your life have been infiltrated and the walls and the gates of your soul have been broken down to such a point that the enemy has easy access to your life. Now, it could be all kinds of things. It doesn't matter that those are the two big headlines here. But you could be a liar. You can be a gossip. And whatever it is that you're trying to see God do in your life, you are only as capable of holding it as you are repaired and made whole by the Holy Spirit. So you come in and you get blessed and the Holy Spirit touches you. And before you know where you are, this is the phrase from the Bible, not my phrase, like a dog to its vomit, you return to the very thing that you hate. Why? Because when we come to Jesus, though we're born again, And like in the book of Ezra, just before this, the first thing they started rebuilding was the temple, the place of worship. Worship is such a significant part of your new identity. I wish you wouldn't wait till Sunday to do it. When Ezra came to start the rebuilding process just before Nehemiah comes, the book before, actually he restores the temple because the temple is the epicenter of the presence of God. And as a restoration process, they worshipped all day long and they read the word all day long. If you want to start working with the Holy Spirit to bring safety and healing and restoration to your life, worship God. Worship is always God's preferred weapon of warfare. And you sometimes are trying to pray something and you can't pray that something because of these broken parts of your life with effect. But you can worship because if you're born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of you and you can worship the Lord. If you worship God and start to worship God, not just on a Sunday or when we come to a meeting. If you start to worship God as a practice, I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to worship you every day, all day. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to worship you. You will find that you will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The other thing they did is they read the word of God. Now you think I preach for long. These people stood for days while the word of God was read. Why? Because the word of God reestablishes truth and worshiping God reestablishes his presence. God is always word and spirit. And so as we start to understand the rebuilding process, I want to encourage you to read the word of God. Let the word of God dwell richly in your life. Don't wait for the pastor to speak it or just every day with whoever. You get the Bible out. You get the Bible out and you read what God has to say. Then you can come to places like this and you can't be tricked by some ideologies other people have because you know the truth. But if you're not reading the word of God, we could be preaching anything up here. You need to read the word of God. That's why Jesus said it was a living word, sharper than a two-edged sword, separating light from darkness, awakening us to truth. Because we've been lied to all our lives. We need to be awakened to truth. So this restoration process began with the reading of God's word and the worship experience of his presence in the temple. And in the temple we find ourselves, let me get to it. We find ourselves being restored to our rightful and original design. I said to you last week, on your worst day, one third of you is pure and holy. Why? Because the Spirit of God has rebirthed new life in you, and you are connected to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. But that spirit needs to start working into your soul, and then working into your thinking, your feeling, and then into your body, the things you actually do. So, Nehemiah. Is a type of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah gets two things, three things. Let me find the slide and move past it. Three things from the king. He comes, like he did every day, into the king's presence, and it says right at the end of chapter one that he was the cupbearer to the king. So let me give you a little heads up on what that means. That means that he tasted everything the king drank. And the reason he tasted everything the king drank is because people would try and poison people in positions of influence and power in those days. So Nehemiah, when he was getting dressed every single morning of his life, going to work for the king, knew this day could be his last day. And can I suggest to you that if you know this day might be your last day, you're going to keep a short account with God. So as he's walking to work, he thinks I could just take a sip of something and it's all over today. That tells me that Nehemiah was trustworthy with truth. And so of course, God begins to move in his heart and he's praying and he's grieved all of those things. But he's given some things by the king and I wanna talk to you for a few moments about them. It's in chapter two, you can read it for yourselves. He's given authority. The king gives Nehemiah letters of authority. Why would that be necessary? Because you can't and I can't accomplish what God wants for us in our lives without understanding that we have been given an authority. That authority is available to us. You have a letter from the king. It's here and it's the final word and the only word that matters. The second thing he's given is provisions. They gave him wood. They gave him other things. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he reestablishes God's authority in our lives, but he also brings everything that's necessary for your life to be restored. The Holy Spirit has everything that's necessary for your life to be restored. Aren't you grateful about that? And the third provision is is he's given an army. Now the army symbolizes angels. When you gave your heart to Jesus and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you God gave the Holy Spirit an authority to transform and to change your life. He also gave him everything that's necessary for that transformation process and here's the wild thought. He also gave a number of heavenly hosts we call them angels to come and to watch over you you are being watched over today by angels that should excite you but clearly maybe I need to say it more times you've been watched over today by angels when we were in Glasgow we had lots of healings in our meetings remarkable healings and um, One guy came to me, the meetings had gone on for months and he'd taken some pictures of the meetings, just keeping a record of what was happening and uh, he was so excited to show me this. He came with this picture and he said, look at this Simon, look at this and he showed me this picture, just a small picture, I put my glasses on because I've not got very good eyesight and I looked at it. He said, can you see what I can see? And I said, well, what, what are you talking about? He said, look at the people in the picture. And I looked at the people in the picture, and he said, look that over some of them, there is this kind of light that's shining on them. Now, I don't think about photography, but people tell me that some of those things can happen through a photographic process. So I didn't read too much into it, but what really shook me to the core of my being is this truth that this light that existed in this photograph, there were hundreds of people in a meeting like this, was only over the people that I know received a miracle from God. I know because I was the one who prayed for them. You see, there are ministering angels. And when we step into the power of the Holy Spirit, they come. And you can't see them with your natural eye. Now, some of you are skeptics. Let me help you. I'm a skeptic. How could this be? I don't know how this could be, but I began to research it, and I realized this truth that there are heavenly hosts. If you believe that demons exist, you must believe that angels exist because demons are only fallen angels. And some of us in this room, we can say the devil's done that and the demon's after me here. What if an angel's after you? If if demons can be after you, can't angels be after you? I think so. Every person who received a miracle that night there was a light above their head and all the other people who didn't receive a miracle had no light. There are angels in this room watching our lives. He was given authority, he was given provision, and he was given heavenly resources. The Holy Spirit has come to your life and come to my life with everything that's necessary to make you everything God has called you to be. Aren't you grateful about that? It's not by might. It certainly won't happen by your effort or your power, but it will happen as a result of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, just take a look at the book of Nehemiah. There are some wonderful, beautiful aspects of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a believer. I want to end with this thought. If you didn't start this, and trust me, you didn't, you can't finish it. But he who began a good work in you will carry it on until it's finished. I know you get frustrated with your brokenness. I want to let you know Jesus is not frustrated with your brokenness. When Jesus came into your heart and into your life, whatever age you were, whatever time that happened, He knew everything in advance that would happen to you or in you or through you. And He said, yes. He knew the end before the beginning and He said, yes. He knew that season when you'd abandon Him and He said, yes. He knew that season when you get angry because you didn't do something the way, and he said yes. When Jesus came into your heart and life by his spirit, he knew every good, bad, and ugly facet of every day of your life right to its last breath, and he said yes. So he who began a good thing in you, it's he who will carry it on until it's completed. The Bible tells us this, that one day we will meet with him, face to face and such will be the work of the spirit in the life of an ordinary person like you and me that we will look like him we will sound like him that's how powerful a friend you have in the Holy Spirit he is with you yes your body is the temple but I want to tell you this he's also for you he's the greatest advocate you could ever have You give up on you, he steps in towards you. You get frustrated, he gets excited. You think it's impossible to change, he knows everything about transforming and healing and restoring people's lives. There is no better friend you could have than the Holy Spirit. And I wanna ask you to stand as we pray. Thank you for your patience, that was long. Holy Spirit, I know that you are here, but my prayer, Lord God, is that we would sense you. That we would experience you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you opened our lives up to the truth of Jesus. We could never have seen him unless you caused us to see him. I want to thank you Holy Spirit that every time I read the Bible, you long to show me the deep and wonderful things about the realities of God. I'm not trying to educate myself, I'm trying to transform myself as I read your word and you have the power to take what's written in the Bible and make it real in my soul. I want to thank you Holy Spirit that you've never ever forgotten the terrible things that have happened to all of us. And you know exactly how to bring healing and to bring restoration. And we're so grateful to you, Holy Spirit. I just pray, Lord God, you would help us to sense your leadership in that. And to follow or do whatever it is you ask us to do. Because everything you ask us to do is leading us more and more and more into becoming like Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you fill us afresh today with your presence Oh yes, God, we want your character and your nature. We want your power and authority. But Lord, we need a fresh touch from heaven today. Some of us, Lord, really need you to speak. We need you to open up some clarity regarding certain aspects of our lives. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been assigned authority to make all things new in us. Amen. I thank you Holy Spirit that everything that is necessary pertaining to godliness, righteousness and truth, you are the one who facilitates that. You provide everything that is necessary for us to become the people we were created to be. Before sin and shame and fear and brokenness and pain started to scar and mark our souls, you knew us Holy Spirit and only you Holy Spirit have the power to bring healing and restoration and freedom and deliverance and something good out of that which was bad. We thank you, Holy Spirit, this morning that everything we need is in you, Holy Spirit. We also thank you, Holy Spirit, that you you walk with and have around us an angelic host that is urging us and pressing in on us to make sure that we live this fullness, this wonderful life that Jesus has provided for us. Lord, there are angels watching over us today. I can't see them. I've never seen an angel. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would know that we are not on our own in this world, but we have been given guardians, leadership, all of those wonderful things that angels do to minister to us and to minister through us to other people. Thank you, Lord God, for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. It does take a load off whenever I worry about being a good person. And I thank you, Lord, that you are holy that's your first name, Holy Spirit. And you will make us whole as you bring change and healing and restoration. And we say, bring it on, Holy Spirit. Come finish what you have started. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask, according to his power, that's the Holy Spirit, at work in us, be glory in the church, that's you, and in Christ Jesus, that's his His glorious um, you know, reputation, Forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful week, church.